our heart's desire is to, that the Word of God, the Lord spoke to my heart when we started this church a few years ago. And he said one thing that was like a brand inside my spirit. You know how they brand cattle? Well, this was a spiritual brand, praise the Lord. And the Spirit of God spoke to my heart and said this, Keith, there is no substitute for my presence. There's no substitute. There's no program. There's no natural thing that can substitute the presence of God. Amen? And so that's one thing that we value here big time is the presence of the Lord. Praise the Lord. And His presence, of course, is here today. You know why? Because you're here. Because you, you're a carrier. You know, people talk about people being carriers of diseases. You know, that's a bad thing, isn't it? But, you know, we're carriers of the presence of God. Amen? I think it was John G. Lake used to look himself in the mirror, and he would, he would point at himself in the mirror and say, hey, God lives in that suit of clothes right there. God lives in that man. And he would say that over and over again. Amen? And I think that's becoming, somebody's put it like this, becoming God inside minded. Amen. It's not just our bodies walking around. There's someone else that lives on the inside of us. Amen. And he's called the Holy Ghost. He's called the Spirit of God. And he's moving like we've never seen before. We are in the outpouring. The latter day outpouring of the Spirit of God has already began. Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, boy, I'm excited about that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, Father, we thank you for the word of the living God, that which you've uh, placed on the inside of my heart. I ask you, Lord, to speak through my lips, think through my mind, and bring revelation knowledge freely today. And we're careful, Lord, to always give you all the glory and the honor and the praise for that which you do. And it's in your son's name, Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. I mentioned a few weeks ago that the Lord had been dealing with my heart now, I've shared some things along this line in the past, but, you know, every time that you go back and revisit something, okay, there's fresh revelation, even if it's something that you shared years ago, you know what I'm saying? And I've been preaching for many, many, many years, but it just seemed good to me and to the Holy Ghost, like the Word says, to share some things along these lines about how to fight the good fight of faith. And I made mention of the fact that there's no doubt that, that we are in a spiritual war right now. How many of you know that? It didn't take a rocket scientist or a brain surgeon to figure that out, right? We're in a war, right? But here's the thing. It's a winnable war. Amen? Amen? I forget which general it was. He said, he goes, if you're going to war to die, I don't want you. I forget which one that, I don't know if it was Patton or somebody like that said, if you're going to go to war, if you're going for the purpose of dying, I don't want you. Because we're going to live. Amen? And though we're in a war, the Bible says that the weapons of our warfare, they're not natural. They're not carnal or natural, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Amen? And so we're in a spiritual war, but it's a winnable war. Now, we looked at a couple of verses of Scripture. Uh, and Josh, if you could bring up Proverbs 24, 10. We're going to look at this in the the King James, and then we're going to look at it in the New Living, the same verse right here. I thought it was really pertinent right here. And it says right here in the King James, it says that if you faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. You see that? I'll go over to the New Living. Let's look at it from here. If you fail under pressure... Your strength is too small. That kind of sums it up right there, doesn't it? 
That's the beautiful thing about other translations sometimes is you can look at a verse and it looks a little obscure in the King James, or I like to say the King Jimmy. <laughs> and then you can look at it in a modern translation, not doing any injustice to it, but we say things a little bit differently. Amen? And I think that's good. If you fail under pressure, your strength is too small. The thing is, is we don't have to fail under pressure. We don't have to faint in the day of adversity. Now, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 14, we saw this last week again in the Amplified. That's Proverbs 18, 14. It says, the strong spirit, say strong spirit. Now, God, if you, have a, you can have a strong spirit, you can also have a weak spirit, right? But we want a strong spirit, don't you? The strong spirit of a man will sustain him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit who can raise up and bear. Now, I love the Amplified here because it says the strong spirit. Now, I underline that twice, so it's important. The strong spirit of a man, that it will sustain you when pressure comes against you. How many of you find that to be true? Sometimes, you know, you can have strength. You may not have strength in your physical being momentarily. But then there's something, if you're filled with the Spirit and filled with the Word of God, the Bible talks about where to stay filled with the Word of God. It says, you know, uh, in Colossians and Ephesians, it says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Amen? But the Bible talks about staying full of the Spirit and staying full of the Word of God. Amen? And those two things alone are what will help us to become strong spiritually. Amen? And when we have a strong spirit, that whatever comes against us, we'll be able to push it back. Amen? Praise God. And, you know, strength comes just even in the natural. God gives you modern natural things to, to give you an illustration. And, you know, like I said, this illustration, weights do not make you strong. It's when you resist them. They have a thing called resistance training and things like that, you know. And uh, it's when you resist weight and you push against weight that you have the ability to build muscles. Amen? How many of you forgot what those were? <laughs> like Papa said, muscles. <laughs> Amen? But, you know, you can build physical strength, and I, it's important to do that. Amen? Get out and ex whatever, whatever you like. Get out and do some exercise. Amen? It's important. Because what you don't use, you lose. Okay? And that's the same thing spiritually speaking. You know, we got to have some resistance. And, you know, when you say, in the name of Jesus, I resist you, Satan, and you quote a scripture, what are you doing? You're applying pressure. You're resisting the devil. And the scripture tells us that if we resist the devil, guess what happens? He's got a bad case of the fleas. Amen? He said, the Bible says in James that he will flee from us. Hallelujah. Now let's go to 1 Timothy. Now this will be our main text here. We're talking about how to fight the good fight of faith. In order for something to be a good fight, it has to be attainable and winnable. Praise the Lord. And thank God it is. Amen. But over in 1 Timothy, chapter 6, starting in verse 11. Now Paul was writing to Timothy who was a young pastor. Young pastor. And he was his son in the faith. In other words, he begot him in the faith. He got saved under Paul's ministry. And then God called him into the ministry to become a pastor. He was a young pastor. All right? And uh, 1 Timothy 6, 11, Paul said this, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, verse 11, 
But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. So we're to follow after those things, right? Verse 12 says, fight. Now some people put the period right there. Fight. Period. That's not what, it, it didn't stop there. It says fight the what? The good fight of faith. Amen. Lay hold on eternal life. Now the word eternal life there in the Greek is zoe. Z-O-E. And it's not so much a duration of life as it is a quality of life. When you got born again, you received zoe, eternal life, which is a quality of life. The same life that was in Jesus is now on the inside of you. Praise the Lord. Isn't that good? And so what he says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of zoe, the God kind of life. He's not just talking. If you read it just in the English, it looks like he's just saying, hang on to your future. But that's more than what he's saying right there. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of that Zoe life that's on the inside of you. Okay? But when you know the Greek in this situation, it really helps, doesn't it? Lay hold of eternal life, whereunto thou art called, and hath professed a good profession before many witnesses. And I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, before Jesus Christ, before, uh, before Pontius Pilate, witness a good confession. Okay? Now, the word confession is used three times. The word fight is used twice. Fight the good fight of faith. But then the word confession or profession, same Greek word in these verses, is used three times. Now, the word confession in the Greek, now I'm not a Greek scholar, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I got books that are, amen. And you can go look in a Strong's Concordance, look up the Hebrew, you can look up the Greek, you know, and find out what it means. Now the word confession is the Greek word homologio. They say, well, what does that mean? It means to say the same thing. Amen. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold of eternal life. He talks about confession. The word confession or profession right there is used three different times. And in all three, I looked it up myself, all three of those occasions here in these verses, verses 11 through 13, it's the Greek word homologio. Now what does that mean? To say the same thing over and over again. All right? Now why? We, we covered this. Why is it a good fight of faith? Because it's winnable, right? Number two Fight is used twice, but confession is used three times. Okay? The third thing we want to look at, to fight the good fight of faith. This is so important that we understand this. To fight the good fight of faith, we have to stay in faith. You see, to fight the good fight of faith simply means this, to stay in faith about circumstances. You know what I mean? Now, if there was no fight to faith, then there would be no enemies, right? But how many of you know there's sometimes you have warfare going on inside your mind, and you're believing, how many of you ever believe God for anything? And then you've got this warfare going on inside your mind, on your spirit, but inside your mind, and, the, and these thoughts are coming, I don't know if God's going to answer your prayer, I don't know if it's going to happen this time. And you have doubts that come against your mind. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Oh, we all have that. If we're on this earth, we have that. Okay, 
probably not a day it goes by. <laughs> you don't have thoughts, bad thoughts, negative thoughts come against your mind saying the Word of God's not going to work, your prayers are not working, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and that's how the devil operates. That's how he functions. Satan is, is the spirit, he don't have fear, he is the spirit of fear, and the spirit of doubt and unbelief are cousins. So fear, doubt, unbelief, they all run together. They're in the same company. Because it's all rooted in fear. But oh, praise God, folks. God has not given us the spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 But of power and of love and of a sound controlled mind. That's what God has given to us. Amen? And so, you know, the weapons of our warfare, the Scripture tells us they're not, in 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, or we would say natural. But they're mighty through God. Pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations. Things that don't line up with the Word of God. Amen? Now, I'll tell you, we have some powerful weapons that we have at our disposal, but we still have to use them. How many of you know that? We have powerful weapons at our disposal, but we have to use them. Let me just list a couple of those things. Number one, the Word of God in your mouth. That's the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God in your mouth in Ephesians chapter 6 is a sword of the Spirit. It's a spiritual sword. Now, some people will come along and say, you know, I wish I could just pull out my rifle and just shoot the head off the devil. I wish I could pull out a big machete knife and just slice them into pieces. Well, the thing is, that would be nice, but he's a spirit, and those are natural weapons. Right? <laughs> That's true, isn't it? But I'll tell you what you do have is you've got some spiritual weapons you can't see with your natural eyes, but they're mighty through God. And I'm telling you, it's the Word of God. When you take the Word of God and you speak what the Word of God says and you say against uh, the devil in awful combat, you say, it is written just like Jesus did. Amen. Now, Jesus didn't do that just to show us, you know, this is how deity operates. He showed us how to operate and function in the earth. Yeah. Amen. Now, the Bible says we're to resist the devil and he'll flee from us. Well, how do we resist him? We resist him the same way that Jesus did. Jesus opened his mouth when temptation came against him. And he said three times, it is written, it is written, it is written. And all three times the devil left him. Three separate temptations. You can read about it in the Gospels, right? Well, did the devil leave? He sure did. But not only that, when he spoke the word of God, it says after those three temptations, the angels came and they ministered unto Jesus. So when you speak the word, it's a two-pronged, you know, the sword of the spirit, double-edged sword. Amen. And on one hand, you're defeating the devil. And on the other hand, you're activating the ministry of angels when you speak what God's word says. And the angels come and they hearken to the voice of the word of God. They don't just come for the word. They come to hearken to the voice of the word of God. Your, your Bible has no power of itself to speak. You have to pick it up and read it out loud to give voice to the word of God. Amen? Amen. And so it's, we have to be in, in, a, in a, com, a combat mode. Now, now the Bible says we're not to fight the devil. Do you know it never says to fight the devil for us as believers? Who did that? Jesus did. Jesus fought the devil. Amen? Amen. 
We are to fight what? The only fight we're supposed to be in, if we're in any other fight, it's not going to work. The fight, the good fight of faith, that's the only fight that we're supposed to stay in. What is that? Stay in faith. Amen? Hallelujah. Because you know what? Sometimes having done all to stand, stand there for. Amen? And that's taking, putting on the armor of God, speaking the word of God, because it looks like sometimes from your natural, from what you can see, nothing's happening. But let me tell you something, child of the living God, when we speak what the word of God says and we say what God's word says, immediately Satan comes to a screeching halt. Amen. Well, I don't feel like it, Pastor Keith. I, you know, I just feel like I, I resisted the devil, but it just doesn't seem like he left. Who told you that? Say this, say, I resist the devil, and he flees from me. End of sentence. Doesn't matter what it feels like. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Fight the good fight of faith. The only fight that we're in is to stay in faith. How many of you know we need to stay in faith when it comes to our families? When it comes to our bodies? Our finances, our future, stay in faith. When it comes to our nation, hallelujah, stay in faith. You know, there's an old saying I, I don't particularly like, but it ain't, people used to say, you know, it ain't over till the fat lady sings. You ever hear that saying before? Okay. Well, that can be pretty insulting to some people, you know. <laughs> Amen. But it ain't over. Amen? Unless you quit. Okay? How many of you know quitting? Quitting is the easiest thing in the world. Isn't it? Quitting is the easiest thing in the world. Because anybody can do it. But it takes a crowbar of a backbone and not a jellyfish to stand up in the midst of it. It looks like it's not working. And you say, no, I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Glory to God. Roll over and go to sleep. Now you see this in the ministry of Jesus. I mean, he proved it out. He gets into the boat with his disciples. He said, let us pass over to the other side, right? You remember that story? I just love that, that account in Jesus' ministry. Let us pass over to the other side. It sounds like, you know, let us make man in our image. And it happened. <laughs> he said, let us pass over to the other side. And his disciples got in the boat. And so Jesus went to the, the hinder part of the ship. Remember that? And he fell asleep on a pillow. Amen. My pillow. He went to the back of the boat, fell asleep. Hallelujah. I don't know if Mike Lindell was there or not, but, you know, he probably would have gave one to every one of the disciples. Amen. <laughs> I have a friend of mine that went to Israel a couple of years ago, you know, and uh, he said Mike Lindell was there with a the group, you know, and he bought, he got, there was, I don't know, tons of people that went on this, you know, it was a, a ministry trip. They went over and he bought everyone that was on that trip. He got their addresses, sent each of them two pillows for free. That's the kind of man that, that I respect that man. He's the legit Christian man of God, isn't he? Praise the Lord. Anyway, that's beside the point. We'll charge you extra for that. But, but Jesus was on the back part of the boat, asleep on a pillow. And his disciples, when they started out, everything was good. And there, as they went, a sud suddenly there was a great storm that arose so that they were, the disciples thought that they were going to sink. And so they're trying to pail out water. You know, it's coming into the boat. 
And they got so concerned that they, they woke Jesus up and shook him. And they said, carest thou not that we perish? That's the King James. Don't you care that we're about to go under? They woke him up. And Jesus stood up, rebuked the wind and the waves. What did he, how, did he do, how did he do that? How did he stop the wind and the waves? With his what? With his mouth. With his mouth. There's power in your tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The scripture says that. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You can eat the fruit of what you say. Good or bad. <laughs> and he rebuked with his mouth. And suddenly there was a great calm. And he, asked his, he told his disciples, how is it that you have no faith? Amen. And they said, well, what kind of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Amen. Well, I'll tell you what kind of man he is. A man that's filled with the Zoe life of God just like you and me. Amen. Getting quiet in here. Amen. <laughs> You're filled with the same life. The same life that was in Jesus is on the inside of you as a believer. Isn't that wonderful to know? Oh, that's exciting, isn't it? Same life, same power. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But Jesus told his disciples, we're going to the other side. Okay? Now, I guess they kind of forgot what he said because, you know, when they took off, you know, he, they immediately forgot what he said. They didn't think about it. Now, Jesus didn't mince words ever. If he said something, he meant it. And what he said always came to pass, everything. The disciples, because they were in the midst of a sudden storm, just like we're in now sometimes, it's easy to get your focus off of what God said. Do you get that? What did God say? Well, Jesus, the Bible says, we having believed, therefore enter into rest. Jesus was resting on a pillow. He already said, we're going to the other side. He didn't say, let's try, let's endeavor, let's do our best. That's what people do. He said, let's go to the other side. Now, sometimes when you're on your way to go to the other side, there can come a big storm in the midst of your life. Right? Yeah. Now, what does that, what's, what, what's behind that storm? The devil. Now, God was not behind that storm because if that were the case, then Jesus was fighting against his father. And he said, I only do what I see my father do. It wasn't God that sent the storm. It was the devil that got behind the weather elements that stirred up this stuff. Do you think God's behind people getting killed by tornadoes and floods and all? No way. No way. Satan's called the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, small g. And so these things that happen in the earth that are destructive, that bring death and destruction, they're all spawned by the enemy. Okay? We have to understand that. Those things... And those things we need to stand against. Thank you, Lord. Well, they finally went to the other side. But the disciples encountered a lesson, a major life lesson in this situation. Because just because God says something doesn't mean that everything's going to be smooth sailing, as they say. Right? And sometimes, you know, when you step out to obey God, it looks... I remember when I first answered the call to go into the ministry when I was just really young, actually... And uh, barely 20 years old, I had no idea. My first year of Bible school, I'm telling you, I encounter more devils and demons and principalities that came against my mind than I've ever known in my entire lifetime. Whew, I thought, my God. Amen. Amen. But, you know, I was in a school 
that taught the good word, the meat of the word of God. And I'll tell you what, as I begin to get, get the word in me every day, four hours a day, and sit, sitting under Brother Hagen, sitting in that ministry, I'm telling you, my spirit got stronger and stronger and stronger to the point where those things didn't even affect me anymore. I mean, they were still there. But uh, I had no idea that those things, you know, I grew up in my parents' house, you know. Our, our biggest vacation was Niagara Falls, you know, or Neville Island. Okay. <laughs> you know, we just didn't do a whole lot of stuff, you know, growing up. You know, we kind of were home folks. We stayed. We didn't do a whole lot. But, man, when I left house and left the state and lived out of state for the first time on my own and everything, I had no idea what I was doing. I was, it was a crash course. Land, you know what I mean? You learn as you go. Maybe that's not the best illustration, but... But, you know, I, there was demonic activity that was coming against me. And I'll tell you what, I was in the will of God. Amen? Let me tell you something. We're in the will of God right here. Amen. In this place, in this church right now. We're in the will of God. Okay? And just because ad- adversity comes against us doesn't mean that we've missed God. Right? Sometimes people can interpret things and say, well, maybe the God, maybe I thought I heard God, but I didn't hear God and all this kind of stuff, you know. Listen, the devil tries to screw with your head. He tries to mess with your head. But you have a weapon. You have the Word of God. Number two, you have, now that you're filled with the Spirit, you have the weapon of praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit of God, praying in other tongues. Whoa. Praise God. And I'll tell you, you talk about smashing the devil in the head, and he can't even figure out a language. He can't. You know why it makes him so angry? He can't figure out what you're saying. When you speak in a heavenly tongue, bless the Lord, he can't even figure out what you are saying. The scripture says when you speak with tongues, you're not speaking unto men, but unto God. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you, that's the best way to pray when you don't know how to pray. Romans 8 bears that out. Now, how many of you here, you faced some situations in your life where you're like scratching your head like, man, I've done everything I know to do. I've done this. I've done that. Press this button. Pull this lever. <laughs> I've done everything I know to do, but it just doesn't seem like enough. How many of you have ever been there before? Listen, all of us have been there and probably will be again. That's not a negative thing. And God knew that. He knew that we would face adversity. He knew that we would face things that we couldn't figure out mentally. What a disadvantage that people have that are not filled. They're not worse people. I'm not saying that. But what a disadvantage. If I didn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'd be a major disadvantage. But I thank God for the ability to speak with other tongues. And it's not just to say, I remember back in 1979 when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, what a glorious moment that that was. And just leave it. You know what I'm saying? Just retire it. Retire the tongue. Put it on the back shelf and then just go forward. No, God gave you the Holy Spirit to be an ongoing place of tapping into the presence of God, the power of God, the glory of God. And that's one of the ways that you can pray through things. There have been times, I'm telling you, my head was swimming like, oh, how am I, I've got this. And you know the devil, I, I like Keith Moore used to say this. He said, the devil likes to use what we call the polyp effect. 
When he comes at you, he doesn't just come with one thing. He comes with four or five different things at the same time. Unexpected bill. A health issue. Your kids are messed up. Or your car breaks down. Your refrigerator breaks down. And you've got all these things that you're dealing with, okay? You ever, and you get overwhelmed. I've been there more times than I'd like to think. But I do know this. <laughs> The one who knows all things lives on the inside of us. And he has given to us a supernatural prayer language so that we can pray. Let me, let me tell you something. Even if you prayed, prayed two minutes in other tongues, there's more stuff taking place right there than you could if you prayed in your understanding for five hours. Whoa. It's like in the spirit realm, atomic energy. Okay. And you can literally aim your prayers and pray for yourself or for other people. I've done this many times. I'll say, no, Father, I've prayed to the best of my knowledge. You know, like if I'm praying for you all, okay, uh, I'll pray these, I, I pray it all the time, scriptures over you, several scriptures, individual scriptures, and then whole chapters. And I pray those things over you, but then I'll shift into other tongues to pray. And I'll say, Father, for in case there's things I'm not aware of, and I know that there are, there's things that I'm not aware of that you're going through, not unless the Lord told me, which most of the time it's none of my business. Okay? And, uh, and so I'll just shift gears and start praying in other tongues, you know, and just pray in other tongues. But I've, I've, I've trained myself to say, okay, I know what I'm praying in the Spirit for you. Now think about this. When Paul said he prayed for the whole church at Ephesus and things like that, do you think he listed them by name? No, he didn't know them all by name. Okay? Just, when you pray for someone, that does, you don't have to know their names. You can pray for the whole group. Like a buckshot. You know what a buckshot is? I mean, right? Not just an individual bullet, but, but you know, like a shotgun. Boom, it hits everything at once in its path, right? And that's what the Spirit of God will do through us as we pray in the Spirit and we pray in other tongues. And I'll say, Father, I'm praying for so-and-so right now. I shift gears and pray in the Spirit. It may be five minutes, two minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes. And, uh, and after you're done praying, that you said, okay, Father, I believe I received that right now. Amen? Isn't that important to know that? So fighting the good fight of faith, the main thing is to stay in faith. Do not get out of faith. Now, how do you know if you get out of faith? I've been there just like we all have. How do you know when you get out of faith? When you quit saying what God says. In other words, we talk the situation. Okay? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, I think we'll skip over a couple of these here. Let's go over to uh, let's go to the, the gospel of Mark chapter 11 here. I just feel led of the spirit to jump ahead in my notes here this morning. But In Mark chapter 11 now remember the two weapons that you have most powerful weapons that you as a believer have you have the word of God and you have the spirit of God. Namely, praying in the Spirit, praying with other tongues. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not afraid to talk about it. Because the Bible promotes it. 
Jesus even told his disciples. Now, what preacher out there is bigger than Jesus? You know what I'm saying? Jesus commanded his disciples, it says that, that they should not leave Jerusalem until they're endued with power from on high. And when they got filled with the Holy Spirit, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. When they got filled with the Holy Spirit, God didn't give them a new elbow, a new knee, a new stomach. God gave them a new what? Tongue. The first thing that the Spirit of God will affect when you get filled with the Spirit is this thing right here, your mouth. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost. Now James says the tongue no man can tame. True. Your natural part can't do that. But the Spirit of God can help you tame your tongue to say what God's Word has to say. Have you ever been tempted to say a bad thing in light of a situation you're dealing with and talk about it and say, oh, man, this thing's getting worse, you know what I mean? Well, it's okay to acknowledge, okay, there's an issue right there, there's a problem. We're not denying that. But I'm saying there's something bigger than what we're dealing with, Okay? And we have to go to the source. We have to go to the Word of God. But we see a situation here in the ministry of Jesus in Mark chapter 11. And let's pick up in verse 11, if you would. Mark chapter 11, verse 11. When Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple, when he had looked round about upon all things, now the eventide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. Okay, And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. Jesus was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For the time of figs was not yet. Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee the hereafter, and his disciples heard it. All right, let's talk about this for a minute here. How could Jesus answer a fig tree? He said he answered it. Now, if I asked you a question, you would probably answer that question, right? And the Bible says Jesus answered the fig tree. Now, what's that all about? He went to find leaves. Now, they tell us that the leaves, this particular fig tree, that I looked this up and found this out. Dr. Fred Price brought this out, too, you know, in his ministry years ago. He said, these fig trees that retained their leaves grew fruit at the very same time. So, there was, there was a show of fruit, but there was no fruit. So, the tree was a hypocrite. <laughs> It's announcing, I've got fruit, I've got fruit, but it was all leaves. Okay? Something to think about, isn't it? Do you think Jesus was deceived by the fig tree? No. But in his human form, he became hungry, just like you and I do. You know, 12 noon strikes you. I'm getting a little bit hungry here. Jesus, being human and God at the same, 100% man, 100% God, he was hungry, just, and he, wanted, he needed to sleep just like you and I do. Okay? Jesus answered the fig tree, verse 14. And here's what he said. No man will eat fruit of thee hereafter, and his disciples heard it. 
So his disciples, 12 disciples, were standing right there. They, he said it out loud so that they could hear it. Okay? You all with me now? He, he said, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter. Okay? No man eat fruit of thee hereafter. But he answered the fig tree. Now let me ask you a question. Does a fig tree have a voice? Well, not like you think, but it still has a voice. Does your body have a voice? Yes. Your body has a voice, right? And sometimes you're like, I'm tired. <laughs> you, you know, your kids are acting up. They're just tired. <laughs> well, they're tired at 12 noon or 2 in the afternoon. They're just tired. <laughs> Amen. Well, the Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. Because your body will say, I'm tired, I'm tired. Well, wait a minute, I slept good last night. I shouldn't be tired right now. Let the weak say, I am strong. In Joel, it says that, doesn't it? So if you feel weak, what do you speak? Oh, I just feel weak today. I feel weak today. No, the Bible says, let the weak say. So that involves words, right? Say, I am strong. Say, I am strong. In the Lord, in the power of His might. Hallelujah. Now, if you want physical strength, not only about you, but I could use some more here and there. How about you? Uh, you know, sometimes, and sometimes physical weakness is a sign of being weighed down spiritually. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's kind of like, you know, you be going along and you get bad news about something. You get a phone call or something and you get an email or whatever. And it's bad news. All of a sudden you feel like you feel drained. Right? That's spiritual and mental, but it affects you physically. Well, turn the flip side of the coin around. It says the joy of the Lord is our what? Strength. Now, joy is spiritual, but it affects you physically. Now, if I said right now, every one of you at the end of the day will receive a check in the mail for $1 million. How do you think that would affect you? <laughs> You're like, Whoa. I was tired when I came in, but not anymore. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So what you, what you hear will affect your strength. Depends what you're hearing. Okay? Now, if all you listen to is the mainstream media that's out there, I turned it off. I just flat turned it off. I don't even want to hear any of them. That's not where I get my news. Amen? Now, I'm not ignorant with what's going on, but I'm not going to let them feed lies into my mind about things and what's going on. No way. No way. And if you do, then it'll zap your strength. It'll zap your energy. You want to go crawl in a bed and take a nap, pull the curtains and eat chocolate cake. Okay? <laughs> Amen? But Jesus, let's get back to this right here. Jesus answered the fig tree. So in other words, the fig tree had a voice, but it wasn't like we're used to someone talking to you, but it still had a voice. Like your body will tell you, uh, I'm tired. Your bank account will say, I'm broke. Okay? And uh, 
things will talk to you. That's why Paul said, what shall we say to these things? And if you read the things he's talking about is pressure and persecution and famine and peril, lack, all these things. What shall we say to these things? What are we supposed to say? If God be for us, who can be against us? That's fighting the good fight of faith right there. If God be for us, who can be against us? Paul went out, he literally said this. What shall we say? Here's what, he, here's what you're supposed to say to these things. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He gave us his best when he gave us Jesus. Everything else is fringe benefits. He gave us his best. He didn't withhold his best. He's freely given us all things. Jesus answered the fig tree because the fig tree had a voice, but not an audible voice, but nonetheless, it was still a voice. Okay? So in other words, you're going along and the thought comes to you. You know, your future is bleak. You know, you're never going to get married. Things like that. Thoughts the devil can bring to your mind. You know, you're going to die of this dreaded disease and so on and so forth. You're going to get COVID and die. Okay? Amen? Well, we all had it. We're here. <laughs> Healthy and strong. Amen? Hallelujah. But the devil always tells you the worst case scenario. Because he's bad news bears. I'm telling you, I mean, he is bad news all the time. Amen. Hallelujah. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Thank you, Lord. So I think it's important that we understand we're in a war. We're in a battle of words. That's what came to me this morning. We're in a battle of words. And the devil, it's not, he's not audibly talking to you and to me. We don't hear him audibly. But he's talking through circumstances, just like this big tree. You know? And that the lies the devil says, you know, when you get a certain age, then this starts to go in your body, and that starts to go. And you got doctors saying, you got nurses saying, and all these people, if two or, you know, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every fact be established. And you got in the negative. And you got medical science, you got people saying, you know, if you get this age, then this is going to happen to you. Bunk, baloney. Amen. With long life, he will satisfy me and show me his salvation. And I plan on living long and strong and healthy for the glory of God. For the glory of God. Amen. Jesus answered the fig tree. Do you ever wake up in the morning and all of a sudden you get these negative thoughts hitting your head? Or, or sometimes, do you ever notice this? Because I know I've been there myself. Especially when you're physically tired, the problems seem worse. Do you ever notice that? But nothing like a good little nap or a good night of sleep and you wake up and you say, well, it's not as bad as I thought. It's still there, but it's not as bad as... But when you're tired, you get overwhelmed. You're like, oh, man, I feel like caving in. I just feel like quitting, you know? It's easy to quit because everybody could do that. But I'm not looking at any quitters here. Amen? And so, you know, you get thoughts that come to your mind. You wake up and said, and you hear this thought, but you don't hear it with these ears here, but you hear it in your thinking, in your thought realm, okay? And that's where the battle is, and that's when you have to stand up and say, no, that's not going to be the way it's in my life. I'm not going to have that. 
Thank you, Lord. So in this, wrapping this up here this morning, and our time gets away from us here, the Lord. But I want you to see, you'll notice in the ministry of Jesus that he not only talked to, you know, people to get healed, you know, be healed and so forth, and arms grew out and that kind of a thing. Jesus spoke to the dead. Jesus spoke to the wind and to the waves. Jesus spoke to the fig tree. Now, a fig tree here, stay with me here, a fig tree is symbolic of something in your life that's supposed to produce fruit, but it doesn't. Okay? A false promise is false coming at you. Fake news, as they say. Amen? Now, I don't know how many times I've jumped on an airplane. Well, not jump, but you know. Get on an airplane. And I've had the thought come to my mind. A thought came to my mind. This aircraft is going down and you're in it. Thought. Every time that that's happened to me, I said, no, you don't. No, you don't. And yet I've seen people on, literally on airplanes that like white knuckle, you know, they get the whole way. You know what I mean? Man, when I get on that airplane, I put my earphones on. I put worship on my wireless headphone with my phone. I put worship on. I sit back there. Man, I enjoy the ride. And before you know it, I'm there. <laughs> Amen? But the thought realm has to be taken captive. Amen? Glory to God. And you say, no, I'm, pa I'm passing over to the other side. I've already prayed over this thing. And Pastor Lynn, man, she's, she is so diligent about this. I'm telling you, I've never seen anybody more diligent with this. Speaking Psalm 91. I mean, every time before her head hits the pillow every night, boom, she's reading Psalm 91. I have not seen one night go by where she hasn't done that. I can't remember one time. Okay? And she goes, now remember, we're getting on this airplane. Put your hand on the aircraft. Amen. And I've learned a lot from that. She's really diligent about that. And so we, we bless the aircraft. You know, we get on. You know how you're walking through that door there, you know, getting on the plane. Lay hands on that aircraft, you know. In Jesus' name, we're passing over to the other side. There'll be nothing that's going to harm this aircraft or the pilots or anything. It's going to be a smooth ride the whole way there. And every time it's happened that way. And I plan on that if, in the future if we go somewhere, it's going to be that way. But that mental battle that takes place inside your mind is a real thing. But it can be whipped. It can be defeated. Now Jesus obviously said it out loud, loud enough that his disciples heard it. And I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm sure them being human, just like you and I are, they're probably thinking, you know, maybe Jesus is a little tired today. He's gone to talking to a tree. But he said it out loud so his disciples heard it. Now it looked like nothing happened. Because if something would have happened right then, they all would have been, did you see that? Check that out. Dude, did you see that? All right. But notice, go, jump down to verse 19. And we'll close here, okay? In verse 19, Mark chapter 11. And when the evening was come, he went out of the city 
And in the morning, the next day, they passed by and they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Hmm. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, look, the fig tree that thou cursed is withered away. Now notice that they went back the same way the very next day. And Peter spoke up. He's always speaking up. Okay? And he says, Jesus, Master, the fig tree that you cursed is withered up from the roots. Okay? The root system. Hallelujah. And what did Jesus use against that? Words. Now, Peter said, the fig tree that you cursed. Does that mean he used like a four-letter word and cussed it out? You blankety-blank fig tree? <laughs> no. But he, he cursed the fig tree, and the word curse means to speak negative against. All he said was, no man will eat fruit of thee hereafter, and the Bible calls that a curse. So when you say about yourself or about other people, you're never going to amount to anything, you know, something negative, you're actually putting a curse on yourself or on other things, not even realizing it sometimes. Right? No man will eat fruit of the hereafter. Peter said, the fig tree that you cursed. And the definition here of a curse is to say something negative over Amen? That's, that's why believers, I'm, and I've had to correct people time that, through the years, they call themselves stupid. Oh, just stupid me and talking about themselves. You ought to never say that about yourself, ever. You're not stupid. Okay? You have the mind of Christ. You have the wisdom of God. And if you see yourself the way God sees you, nothing can stop you. When you see yourself the way God sees you, you're unstoppable because God has absolute confidence. He has absolute faith in you. <laughs> and he believes you're going to make it. And I, you and I, we could have been born back in 1700s, 1600s, you know, 100 years after Jesus. But God put us here at a specific time on the earth for such a time as this. The Bible says Jesus came at the appointed time. There was an appointed time for him to come to the earth. And God has times and he has appointments. And those times and those appointments from heaven will not be stopped. God has things on his calendar. God has things in his agenda that are his agenda that nothing will hinder it. Nothing will stop it in the name of Jesus. And when Jesus spoke to the fig tree, his disciples were, whoa, look at this. Because when he spoke to it, Far as we're concerned, it died then. But they couldn't see it. Okay? Now notice, notice Jesus didn't go checking on the tree right away. When he said, no man he, eat fruit of thee after, and then they walked away, and then he said, wait a minute, guys. He went over and he looked at the tree and said, I'm just checking to see. He didn't do that. He spoke the word and he left. But the next day when they came by, Jesus, Peter said, look at that thing. It's dried up from the roots. Whew. Now you kill, you chop a branch off, the tree's going to live. But if you affect the root system, that dude is gone. 
That tree is gone for good. And when you say what God's word says, and you read about this in Jeremiah, God says, I'm going to put my word in your mouth to root out, to pull down, to pluck out, to destroy, to rebuild, and to plant. And that's what the word of God does inside your mouth. When you put that word, it has the ability to root out and to pull down, but to rebuild as well. And that's when Jesus went on to say right here, in verse 22, Verily he answered and said unto them, Have faith in God. For I say unto you that whoever, whoever shall say unto this mountain, Be removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt on his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Can I have an amen? Say, say, saith. Amen. The word belief is used once, but the word say or saith is what? Three times. Fight the good fight of faith is fight is used twice, but confession is used three times. Here, say or saith is used. Three times the word belief is one time. So how do you fight the good fight of faith? I want to know. Well, we fight the good fight of faith by staying in faith, by coming out of our mouth. Amen? Now, if what you said came to pass instantaneously, you wouldn't have to stand for anything. The Bible says about hold fast that what you have, you know, hang on to a good confession. Amen. So if what you said literally came to pass the second you said it, you wouldn't have to stand for anything. You wouldn't have, there would be no faith involved other than just saying it. But the Bible says in Hebrews, we saw this, you know, that, that we are to hold fast to our confession without wavering. Confession of faith. Praise the Lord. So the thing is, we have to realize is this. The war that we're in, we are winning that war when we stay in faith and we say what God's word says. Say what God says about yourself. Say what God says about your body. Say what God says about your children. Say what God says about your future. And as you say what God says, like that song, Oh, say can you see, <laughs> right? You say it and you'll see it. What you say, you will eventually see. It's, that's, that's how it works. We saw the 12, the 12 spies that came back. Ten of them came back with an evil report of unbelief. They said, we can't go in. We're not big enough. There are giants in the land. They all perished, didn't they? They didn't go into the promised land, even though it was God's will. But two of them came back. Two out of twelve came back with a good report, Joshua and Caleb. They said, yep, there's giants there, but our God is bigger. We're able to go in. Their defenses departed from them. Let's go up at once and possess it. They didn't hesitate, you know. And Joshua, in the long run, Joshua and Caleb, who had a good confession, walked into the reality of what they said. They walked into the promised land. While the majority, the ten, the mainstream media, 
the ten always had a bad report, an evil report, a negative report, and it's just as easy to flow with them, right? But it takes a Joshua and Caleb to stand up and say, no, I know what God said, so we're going to keep saying what God says. No, they didn't get into the promised land overnight, but they eventually got in. Joshua and Caleb, and 20, those, those that were 20 years and younger, underneath their leadership, went into the promised land. What happened to the other guys? They perished in the wilderness, out of the will of God. You say, well, God must have had a purpose for those. No, no. His purpose was that they went in, all of them went into the promised land, but their fear, their doubt, and their unbelief affected their tongues, and what they said is what came to pass. And it's written in the Word of God as an example for us so that we don't follow after what they did. Amen? Experience is not the best teacher. I'd rather learn from somebody else's mistake than to make the mistake myself. Right? A wise person will look at someone else's faults and failures and say, I see what they did. I'm not going there. And when the, the word of God was written for our admonition upon whom the ends, ends of the world are come. And we, sh- we could learn from these examples. We are to learn, hallelujah, and see what they did or what they didn't do in the book of Numbers and Deuteronomy and Exodus, what they did and what they didn't do. And it was God's will all along that they all go into the promised land and reap the benefits and eat the, from the land of milk and honey. A land where there's no lack or shortage. A land where they inherited vineyards and houses and homes that they didn't build, but they entered into it. Amen? Hallelujah. And when God even brought them out of Egypt, He didn't bring them out empty-handed. He brought them out with silver and gold. <laughs> and there was not one feeble or sick person among their tribes in Psalm 105. You can see the heart of God. And it was not His will that they perish in the wilderness. So we're to fight the good fight of faith so that we can, we can enter into the promised land. And You know, that's the beautiful thing about knowing each other, coming to church like this. And the scripture talks about in Hebrews chapter 10, you know, about confession. And then it goes on to say, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the custom of some is. In other words, God says, as you see the day of Christ approaching, gather together, come to church. Amen? I mean, I thank God for our phone ministry that we have, but that's not a substitute for church. Right? It's an, it's an outreach, but that's not to say, oh, you know, I just feel like staying in bed this morning and just listening to Pastor Keith. That's, I understand that. But it's better to get your body here because you're going to get things here that you would never get otherwise. And you're going to get encouragement. You're going to get exhortation. And the Spirit of the Lord is here. Of course, He's on the telephone. But there's something about being together physically with one another. Hallelujah. Where we can draw from one another, draw strength from the Lord through each other. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Lord is good. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you. We praise you. We bless you. We thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Worship you, praise you, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Hmm.
No, it's not time to quit. It's not time to give up. You're just beginning. You're just getting started. For I, the Lord, your God, I am not through with you. I am not done with you. I am not finished with you. No, my work has just begun in you. When you thought it was over, and when you thought it was time to retire and to quit, know this, you're just beginning when it came to what I said in your word. Pay not attention to the clock. Pay not attention to the calendar. And pay not attention to man's ways. But hearken unto that which I've said unto you. For I'm not looking at your clock. I'm not looking at your calendar. I am not looking at your physical age, saith the Lord. For know this, when you look at me and you look unto me, I'll say things to you that seem almost impossible, but they're not. I've said things to you by my spirit that you put off on a shelf that you thought, man, that, just, that might be just me. But know this, for that which has been spoken to by me will stay with you. It will not be erased. It will not be limited, eliminated. It will not be forgotten. For that which I've said in your spirit and that which I've spoken to your spirit will surely come to pass and it will stick with you, it will stay with you, and it will surely come to pass. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Father. We praise you right now. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Let's just pray in the Spirit for a moment here. Put the mic, microphone there. Okay. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Brother Dan, you got something from the Lord? Okay. Have not I said in my word not to grieve the Holy Ghost? Have not I said to put all corrupt communications far from you? For you see, I am the God who creates the fruit of the lips. Yes, the agency of the Holy Ghost is at work. For grieving him comes by speaking the negativity. Grieving comes to the Spirit of a God when you doom yes. things. Yes. So don't doom things with your word, but cause your word to be an agent of construction within your life, not an agent of destruction. For you see, my words carry power. Allow those words that you've heard to come forth from your lips, but don't be deceived by time or by the circumstances. Yes. Allow yourself to be constantly engaged and also comforted by the, by the words that I have declared. And as you do, so, so those things start to come to pass. Yes, there'll be a little here and a little there, but you'll come to the point where you develop yourself in these things. For you see, you sow to the Spirit, and from the Spirit you shall reap those things that you sow, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Yes, there is a time of development in these things, 
For you'll not walk in the greater things, but as you begin to walk, you begin to develop and you'll begin to increase daily in these things as you continue yes, to declare these things because what you've done, you've come to the point where you've come to the place of believing what you're saying shall surely come to pass. Yes, so don't be slack in these things. Allow yourself to go forth in the power of my spirit, knowing, knowing the operation of faith. For without it, you cannot please me. For I have declared the just shall live by faith and walk by faith. So walk in yes, these Lord. things. Declare the yes, things Lord. that you desire to come to pass. Be diligent in those things, and so shall you see those things unfold in your life, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Yes. Yes. Thank you, Lord. We receive that, Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus.